Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookin brought to you by Explore Booksellers, Aspen, Colorado's trusted community bookstore. Wherever you are in the world, it is always good to explore. My guest today is Mirin Fader. She is a staff writer for The Ringer. Her work has been honored by the U.S. Basketball Writers Association, the Associated Press Sports Editors, the Pro Basketball Writers Association, and the Los Angeles Press Club. Her latest book is New York Times best-selling book, Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP, which is published by our friends at Hachette Books. Mirren, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. It is an honor to have you here. And first, Mirren, I would like to ask you, what initially drew you to want to write a book about Giannis Antetokounmpo? Yeah, well, I had been looking to do a book for a couple of years and I didn't really have the right topic. Something just wasn't clicking. And at the time I was writing long form stories for Bleacher Report mag. And I noticed that Giannis had a youngest brother who was in high school at the time and he was Mm -hmm. fourth in line. So I thought maybe I should go profile him. His name is Alex. Mm -hmm. So I went to go profile Alex. I went to Milwaukee and I went to their home and Giannis happened to be there. Mm -hmm. And the story turned into a feature about both of them. And when that story came out, it it kind of revealed as much about Giannis as a person as it did his brother. And that's when it just hit me. Like, I think there's a book here because there's so much I didn't get to include in that long form story. And Giannis's story was so much unknown. He hadn't even won his first MVP at that point. So I thought, Mm -hmm. let's do a book. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And um, speaking of him not having won his first MVP yet, um, because we are a podcast about books, not basketball, though we have covered several basketball books here on Bookend, what happened to Giannis between the publication of the hardcover book and the paperback? Well, yours truly got very lucky because the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA championship, which to our listeners, it was something that nobody thought would happen was the first time in, I think, 50 years, something like that. And the Bucks are a small market team, so they don't usually get talked about as champions like teams, you know, in L.A. or New York or Miami or Boston. And Giannis, this improbable leader, somebody who was never supposed to make a career for himself, is the one that decides to stay and lead this team. So right when the book came out, they won the championship. It was insane. (laughs) Yeah, that was fantastic. And lucky you. And it gives us hope here in North Carolina with our small market team, the Charlotte Hornets, maybe someday, maybe someday we'll win a championship. Who knows? Probably not, but maybe. Um, (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, Your book opens with a series of evictions. What sort of circumstances did Giannis and his brothers grow up in? It was really tough. Although they lived in a majority migrant neighborhood in Sepolia, which is a very dense, crowded neighborhood in Athens, um, they just could never find work. Greece at the time was really struggling financially across the country. But for people who were migrants like Giannis's parents who had come from Nigeria, it was almost impossible to get work. So they had to sell items at nearby markets and illegal markets outside. And they would all be out there for hours as a family selling trinkets. And so they just could never make their rent payments. And the book, I wanted the reader to to see that at first to see This is where this superstar comes from. He was never supposed to be in the NBA. He didn't even know where his next meal was coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, 
when he won the championship, Mirren, um, the one thing he kept saying over and over again is no one can ever take this from me. No one can ever take this from me. Do you think that those words were inspired by the circumstances that he grew up in? They absolutely were. And I think because things were so precarious for him as a child, not knowing where he was going to live or where he was going to get food, he always had a certain fear that he would lose everything. So even when his circumstances changed and he you know, would earn millions of dollars as a basketball player in America, he was always afraid that someone was going to take it away. There's a refrain in the book where him and his brothers always joke to themselves, what if we woke up and we're back to where we started? And it's a joke and they laugh, but underneath that laughter is a very real fear that they all have. And I think no matter how successful Giannis becomes, he still has that in the back of his mind. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, so, Miriam, you mentioned Greece. Uh, I want to look back at the financial crisis of 2008. Um, a lot of our listeners at this point are uh, too young to know what really happened here in 2008, or they remember something about mortgages, but not much else. Um, how did the financial crisis of 2008 affect Giannis's family and the Greek people's perception of Giannis and his family? Every kind of racism and difficulty that they faced as migrants was only exacerbated. It just got worse and worse and worse. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as I mentioned, he's growing up even before the financial crisis where Greece is not doing that well financially. Mm -hmm. So when this hits, I mean, something like two thirds of all people were unemployed. It was impossible to find a job. And if you're a migrant where you don't have citizenship, it's even harder. So, you know, for our listeners to know a little stuff about Greece, they don't have birthright citizenship. So although Giannis was born in Greece, he was not considered Greek. They still saw him as Nigerian. Um, So he couldn't even find work, legal work to help his family. So he's growing up, he's becoming a teenager and everything is in flux and he can't find a job and they just go from house to house to house. Yeah. Thank you so much, um, Mirren. Um, Because of these times, Giannis has a work ethic that you only see every once in a while in the NBA. And look, all NBA players have a crazy work ethic. They are professional athletes, but Giannis is hungry and he does not like to lose. He wants to win all the time, every game, every year. Uh, He's sort of Jordan-esque in that way, or maybe Kobe-esque both. Um, though not to the point of ragging on his teammates as uh, Jordan and Kobe did. But where, Mirren, uh, did this drive come from? And how does it differ from that of, say, his brother Alex, or even from an NBA player like, um, I don't know, like James Harden? It definitely came from his parents. You know, Giannis would watch his mom come home after standing outside in these illegal markets for 13 hours selling trinkets, coming back with like $5 and just understand the meaning of hard work. You know, they never had to say, you have to work hard. They just, the brothers just saw it. So, you know, Giannis learned from the time he was born that you have to work hard and give everything just to even have a slight chance of making it. So when he became a basketball player, the hunger and the drive to get better was obsessive. It was addictive. Um, The Bucks staffers have to tell him to leave the gym. Um, It's just a different level of intensity from like a Harden or somebody else. And to, to say, oh, I work hard, it's, it's something that's become almost cliche, but Giannis truly, he never is satisfied with himself. He could have a perfect game and still find things that he wasn't good at. And I think that comes from how humble his parents were. Um, they taught him to live the right way, which means 
be a good older brother, be selfless, give to others who are less fortunate. And you see all of those qualities really, you know, be embodied in him, the basketball player. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, you mentioned that when you started this book, um, or when you got the idea for this book, you were covering Alex, uh, Giannis's brother. Can you tell our listeners a little bit special nature of the relationship that Giannis has with his siblings? They are so close. And when I say close, I mean like closer than close. And that comes from sharing a pair of shoes growing up because they couldn't afford more than one. So one would play with one, then take it off, then hand it to the other. Mm -hmm. uh, sleeping in the same beds, um, finishing each other's sentences, taking you know several train rides to go to different places. I think people assume because they didn't have money that they had they didn't have happiness, but it was actually the opposite. They had a lot of joy because they had each other. And I really wanted the book to stress that poverty does not mean you don't have any morsel of joy and family is what sustained them and, and gave them that joy and resilience. And so now, you know, Giannis has an even closer relationship with his brothers, but particularly Alex, who we've been talking about because Alex grew up so differently. His teenage years were primarily in America when they had a lot of money. So he didn't have to hustle and grind the way that Giannis did back in Greece. And Giannis is worried about his younger brother not remembering his roots or not working as hard. And so he's constantly pushing him in a way that is just so, it's almost fatherly, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And um, the fact that they, you know, shared shoes when they were growing up, did that um, then lead to Giannis's decision to put his brother's names on um, his first shoe that he produced for Nike? Absolutely. And they all collaborated on what it would look like, what colors, mm -hmm. and they incorporated interest from the parents. And mm -hmm. every time somebody would say, Giannis, look at your shoe, he'd bring his brothers. No, it's our shoe. And I think everything he does is like us. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think he told me like it, his dream is for all of them to make it. So yes, he wanted to win a championship all along. He's been working for that since he came in the league in 2013, but the real goal, the larger goal is that all his brothers will be successful. And it's, it's truly unbelievable. They have the first um, pair of brothers to win an NBA championship in the history of basketball. It's insane. It is. And um, his brother that was um, on the Bucks was not at the game where they won the championship, right? Because um, he had COVID, I believe. Um, what was that like for Giannis, do you think, winning the championship, but his brother who was on the team wasn't able to be there in that moment with him? It's just so cruel and so bittersweet. Um, if you watch the Nassus on the sideline for any Bucks game, he is so loud and so into it. And he's cheering Giannis on and cheering everybody on and not having him there, you know, I imagine was really painful. And if you notice the first thing that Giannis did when they won the championship and the confetti's coming down is he goes and finds his mom and his, um, his fiance and their son. And, um, to not have the Nassus there was painful, but he was definitely there in spirit. And mm -hmm. it's, I think the Nassus is one of the most interesting threads um, in their story because it would be very easy for the oldest brother to be jealous of the younger brother, Giannis, mm -hmm. for how his career has turned out and how the Nassus's, you know, turned out at various times when he wasn't able to make a team in the NBA. Mm -hmm. But instead, there was this pride. There's no envy. They all genuinely supported each other. And I don't know if you can find that in, you know, the majority of families. Yeah. And I remember watching um, after he spoke with his mother, Giannis had his cell phone and he was like yelling at his brother, I'm coming to the room. And his brother's like, yeah. no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Well, um, before we go to the break, I, I want to ask you, you mentioned that, um, 
because they didn't have money, people assumed that they wouldn't be happy. And um, I've seen this in various threads, um, in various stories, uh, etc. It seems like it's often the case um, that people who actually grow up with a ton of money seem to be the unhappiest uh, people around. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I, I think money truly, although necessary and important and can change a life, it doesn't always sustain your heart. It doesn't always keep families together. Um, I think in our culture, we're very obsessed with um, somebody rising from nothing and it, it, the fairy tale, the, the sort of urge to make it a fairy tale and show the most dark, difficult, horrific parts really, I feel does a disservice to the reality, which is that darkness can coexist with a lot of lightness. And it bothered me the way that there was never joy discussed with Giannis's childhood. In fact, nobody really knew much about his childhood. It was just this big question mark. He just comes for, he sells trinkets on the street. He's an MVP. There was no connective tissue between those. So I just, for every difficult eviction, I wanted you to see laughter. For every moment that they didn't have a meal till 11 p.m., I wanted you to see them, you know, making fun of each other and playing on the court and, and just being kids. Yeah, I think oftentimes people forget that children don't have a concept of what having money or not having money um, is until they're a little bit older. So that has no correlation with happiness um, for the most part. Well, thank you so much, um, Marin. Listeners, we are going to take a short break here for a word from our sponsor. And then I will be right back with Marin Fader. Bookend Podcast is brought to you by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM allows you to buy audiobooks directly through your favorite local independent bookstore like Explore Booksellers. You continue to put money back into your local economy and help local bookstores thrive. Please navigate to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook support your local independent bookstores in the process. I'm back with Mirin Fader, author of Giannis, which is published by our friends at Hachette. Um, Mirin, our listeners just heard the ad for Libro FM audiobooks, and you read your own uh, audiobook. What was that experience like for you? Wow. It was such a challenge. Uh, I had no idea how hard it is. And I really hope listeners can appreciate when an author reads her own work because you know it more intimately than anyone else. That's a fact. Like, you know, the cadence, you know, the jokes, you know, the, the intention, but I myself have had the experience where I don't like the narrator's voice and I turn it off. So there, I felt a lot of pressure. Um, and the hard part about mine was that there was so much Greek and I don't speak Greek. So mm -hmm. I had to get a Greek speech coach and work on the names. And some of them were just so difficult. And I would do like eight takes for one name. And I just tried to tell myself like, okay, A for effort. Like we're going to do this somehow, some way, <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm glad I did it. it. It taught me a lot. You have to almost be an actor. You have to be animated. And it was hard because Giannis is so funny and I wanted his humor to come through and not be cringy, you know, <laughs> with my voice. 
Yeah, and a lot of actors do end up reading audiobooks, but you did a great job. And listeners, it's a fantastic audiobook. Um, you can use the promo code BOOKEND to get one free audiobook and download Giannis. Um, I definitely recommend that you do that if you find this story of interest. Well, um, how long did it take you to record the audiobook? Oh, gosh, I think it was like eight eight or eight days straight. I think we would go for like five hours at a time. And at first um, the director working with me said like, we have tea if you need it. And I was like, I'm not going to need any tea. Like what are are you just reading it? And I was like, ouch, this, my vocal cords like actually hurt after each session. And I wouldn't talk for the rest Mm -hmm. of the day to prepare for the next day. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be um, a stressor on your vocal cords for sure. Well, thank you. Um, Maren, we talked earlier about Giannis being a street vendor as a kid, selling trinkets on the street. Uh, Did the charm that he learned when selling knickknacks on the street, the charm that he needed to make sure that he was able to make money, did this help him become a commercial superstar? Yeah, the same persistence of you need this watch. I'm going to sell you this watch. Yes, you absolutely need it. You could have it for your sister. Like that type of never, you know, uh, take no for an answer really is the exact same fortitude and um, resilience that he'd exhibit on the basketball court. And charm is a great word that you use because I think the allure of him is so much more than basketball. It's the Mm -hmm. charm. And even if he's not selling us anything, he's just being himself. He's so charming. And the hope was that non-basketball people would like him and want to read this book because he's so lovable. You know, you don't usually use those words when you're talking about NBA players, but he really genuinely is. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Mirren, for our listeners who are unaware of this story, um, I'm hoping you can tell us how did Giannis even start playing basketball? Was he always a basketball player when he was a kid? He definitely wasn't. He hated basketball, which was one of my favorite things I found out. Um, He wanted to be a soccer player. Soccer was the big sport, and he didn't really know anything about basketball. Um, He was just tall and lanky, but it wasn't like he was primed for basketball stardom. Um, It was really random. This one Greek man just saw him one day playing tag, running around, and he's like, I think you could be a basketball player. Um, the man's name is Spiros. And I, I talked with him for the book and Spiros tends to embellish, you know, it's a great story. Random man finds kid playing tag, discovers him, puts him on his basketball team. Kid ends up one of the greatest NBA players of all time. But I don't think Spiros was as clairvoyant as he claims. I think luck and circumstance and natural ability and all these things came into play. Certainly Giannis would not have become an NBA player if this man had not randomly found him. Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting because Giannis didn't immediately fall in love with basketball after that. In fact, he missed so much basketball practice to help his family sell these trinkets on the street that he wasn't even really able to learn the game and become proficient at the game, let alone great until like he was 16, 17 years old. And for our listeners, for some perspective, some kids in America are put in basketball camps and drills since they are like five years old. So he was a late, late bloomer. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if there's like a eBay market out there, like trinket bought from Giannis on the street corner (laughs) when he was 12 years old. I know. Um, 
When Giannis was drafted, um, he was stick thin. Like um, I probably could have thrown him around on a basketball court at that moment of time. What kind of work did he do between then when he was drafted and now to develop from the skinny prospect from Greece to the Greek freak? He never left the weight room. I mean, people used to joke, like, do you need a sleeping bag in there? I mean, Mm. he just pumped iron over and the thing is it's not like he got in the weight room and was like oh i know what to do he had never done it before like imagine teaching a professional basketball player how to weightlift for the first time when they get drafted that that doesn't happen these kids weightlift since high school but he became addicted to getting stronger and better and he would look in the mirror after listening and flex his muscles to see like did i get any bigger you know and it was that type of work for three four years and he starts getting bigger. The other thing that happened is he started eating regularly. So because he was so malnourished as a kid and as a teen, when doctors really got, you know, able to do tests and stuff in America, they were like looking at his liver and it looks like somebody who was an alcoholic because he just was so malnourished. And so finally working with a nutritionist, getting his meals, getting his protein, his body just starts changing and he grows like two, three inches that really doesn't happen when somebody's 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So he all of a sudden goes from like scrawny, adorable, little skinny man to like, I am going to bulldoze my way through you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the intangibles that we've been talking about, charm, work ethic, drive, those let him, you know, elevate even more. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, Fast forwarding a little bit in his professional career, Mirren, why did anyone think that Jason Kidd was the guy who needed to coach Giannis Antetokounmpo? Yeah, this is a real, real complicated part. Um, You know, so Jason Kidd to our listeners is um, a really prolific former NBA player. He was a wonderful passer, this magician out there. He had a really storied Hall of Fame career. Um, but as a coach, his reputation was pretty muddied with the Bucks because although he did amazing things for Giannis, he taught him how to be a point guard. He taught him court vision. He helped him grow and gain more confidence. He also had kind of manipulative methods that were not as, I guess, welcomed by different players and he rubbed people the wrong way. And there was a lot of tension ultimately leading to his firing from the Bucks. And it's complicated because he didn't treat Giannis the way he treated other players. But I spoke to a lot of players that just had really horrible experiences with Jason. I thought that was important to include because Giannis's story is about evolution and he's had three NBA head coaches. And Mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind that the changing of the guard with the coaches affected the way he grew Mm -hmm. for better or for worse. So, you know, even though Jason Kidd's methods were, um, you know, maniacal at times, I do think he was an important part of Giannis's development. Yeah. And um, I've got a sort of begrudging respect for Jason Kidd. I appreciate how uh, good he was as a basketball player, but he did used to beat the Charlotte Hornets in the playoffs every year. So I, I don't like him, but when you're talking about his manipulative methods, like, you know, I think of the time when he was like holding a drink and he was t- saying, bump into me, bump into me. And then he dropped his drink on the court and they had to exactly. stop to clean it up because they didn't have any timeouts left or something. And just like ridiculous stuff like that. I'm curious to see how it pans out in Dallas with him down there but um 
Thank you, Marin. Um, finally, um, and this book is so good, listeners, even if you're not a basketball fan, the story of Giannis Antetokounmpo, it's an amazing, amazing story, and it's something that I think everyone will enjoy. But finally, Marin, um, how many championships do you think Giannis wins, and when his career is over, where do you think he ranks amongst the all-time greats? You know, it's so interesting that you asked that because I've been mulling this over in my mind watching mm. these games these last couple of weeks. And first of all, I have no doubt that he is in the top 15 that I, I think easily like winning another one. We got to talk about him surpassing Duncan, like easily, like, and I never thought I would say something like that. So, you know, flippantly, like I, it's shocking to me how quickly this is happening. People forget he's like 27, 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think he's going to win another championship. I honestly, I didn't think they were going to do it this year. And again, who knows if they will. But the other day I was like, maybe they're going to win again. Like I just, you know, I didn't expect to, uh, they were not, they were counted out a lot this year. But I think what's happened to him now is he finally has the team around him. So when he was a rookie, they won 15 games. It was terrible. You watch how he turns around this franchise. They become better and better, closer and closer. Yes, they win the championship, but they also now have elite players around him and he trusts them. So Mm -hmm. I, I just think I've never seen anyone like Giannis. I know I'm biased because I wrote this book, but I genuinely, as a basketball lover, as a person that consumes basketball history, we're going to be talking about him as one of the greatest to ever do it. And it feels so interesting to be watching greatness in real time because I grew up with Kobe. So that was my, like, I saw that in real time. And I remember watching that and thinking like, I wish I was, that age when Jordan was coming up. Cause I didn't get to experience Jordan like that. I knew the folklore of Jordan, right? He's the greatest of all time, but I didn't know that. Now I get to watch Giannis and LeBron. I just, we're so lucky as basketball fans to be experiencing this period of basketball. Yeah. And I did think that um, listeners, for those of you who um, are unaware, we're recording this uh, right before game six of the Bucks Celtics playoff series and um, the Bucks did kind of tear the Celtics hearts out the other night I thought and I, I've got uh, Bucks Warriors in the finals um, I think but um, man, do you think uh, Giannis will be a Buck for the rest of his career or do you see him following kind of Kareem's path and going to the Lakers or someone you know I can't say I can predict the future. I don't know, but I did think the fact that he bought a stake in the Brewers organization in Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. that made me feel like he's never going to leave. That is a different level of, uh, I don't know what the word is, attachment, uh, commitment. Um, That really surprised me. And once I saw that, I, I felt like, okay, like he can stay I think he might stay here when we weren't sure if he was going to sign the Supermax ahead of when my book was released. So that's the contract that decides, you know, whether a player will take a lot of money to stay or go on for greener pastures. I really wasn't sure. I thought, well, I can see him staying. He's so loyal to this organization. That's been so wonderful to him, but also like he wants to win and he, they can't afford to squander his prime years of health in his body but now that they've reached such an elite level where they are contending for a championship every year i see no reason for him to leave 
Absolutely. That would be amazing for the Bucks and amazing for uh, other small market teams in the NBA. Well, thank you, Miriam, and thank you for writing this wonderful book about NBA champion Giannis Antetokounmpo. Listeners, I've been speaking with Miriam Fader, author of Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP, which is published by our friends at Jet Books. Miriam, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This was so fun. Once again, I would like to thank Mirren Fader for joining me. Copies of Giannis can be purchased from www.explorebooksellers.com. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Booking.